This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. I am excited to be joined by James Dodkins. James is the customer experience rock star, UK's number one CX influencer, global keynote speaker, host of Amazon Prime's This Week in CX, and an accidental number one bestseller. Yes. Welcome to the, welcome to the podcast, James. What an introduction. <laughs> I could have done it with maybe a, a little bit more, um, I don't know, Barry White voice. I'll work on that the next time. Just in, in post-production, put reverb and echo on your voice. It'll sound <laughs> wicked. <one. laughs> well, I will do that. So you're an actual real-life award-winning rock star. Uh, tell me about that. So... Yeah, I used to be an actual real-life legitimate award-winning rock star, toured the world, uh, played guitar in a heavy metal band, released two albums, was working on a third. Uh, we had videos on TV, were in magazines quite regularly, and yeah, won awards. No, no, no like fancy ones like Grammys or anything, but it was, yeah, that's, that's what I used to do. But it wasn't like the Beatles. You were in a heavy metal, crazy hair down the middle of your back pushing it back and forth as fast as you can. Uh, yeah. I, I, prior to this uh, podcast, we were talking about how you must have grown some crazy neck muscles and, and yeah. your lats, right? Must have been uh, just mountainous. People were very impressed with my neck. I had a very impressive <laughs> neck <laughs> back in the day. That's funny you should mention the Beatles. We used to get called the heavy metal Beatles. Oh. Wow. Not really. No, nobody no. ever, nobody ever no. said that. I just made that up. Nobody um, said that ever. Okay. No, that's so, literally the first time anyone has ever said that just then. From, from now on, as I introduce you or people want to talk about James, I'm going to say the heavy metal rock star who was part of the Beatles. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so what was your, your favorite show that you've ever played? Good question, actually. And I actually do have an answer for this. Usually when people ask me these things, I'm like, oh, I don't really. I actually have an answer for this. Okay. So we played a lot of festivals and I love playing festivals, mainly because you get bigger crowds at festivals and I like big crowds. But there was this um, one festival we were playing and it was our first like big festival in the UK. And it's a festival called Bloodstock. So if there's any organizers from Bloodstock listening to this, shout out to them. Big nice. up Bloodstock. And we were... Um, we weren't on the main stage. We were on like the second stage. And th this was like our biggest show we'd done okay. up until that point. We were halfway through our set, massive crowd, about 3,000 people, which like at the time for us, massive crowd. Um, and then the power went out. There was a power cut. And yeah. we were like, ah, oh, crap. So luckily we, we thought on our feet and we played a round of crowd surf some chair that I found at the side of the stage. So we threw a chair and they crowd surfed that. Then we got the crowd to do a metal rendition of Come By R because they were all camping at this festival. Um, what, it was pa just pa pause there. What is, what is the, that rendition of Kumbaya metal edition? 
I couldn't possibly give you a demonstration. <laughs> no, it's um, for legal reasons. You uh, get, yeah. get a copyright strike against you. So Got I'm it. Not gonna, I'm not Got gonna it. Perfect. Um, yes, so we got the crowd to do heavy metal come by our and we were looking at each other like no, I don't really have very many other ideas and then luckily just at the right moment the um the the power came back on and I think it really really warmed the crowd to us like they were having a good time anyway but after that they were like oh okay this it's a party now so that's probably the the favorite gig of mine that I ever played really cool that's awesome if you could create one your favorite um heavy metal band name what would it be um, I mean, we we did talk about this beforehand. What was what was it? Throat punch uh, or something? Throat punch. I think that's what it was. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Throat punch. <laughs> Just have it be that. Yeah. So, you know, staying staying still on that. What would happen uh, from your fans' experience if you didn't play a good show? Well, weirdly enough, there are quite a lot of parallels between putting on a good show for your fans and delivering a good experience to your customers. Mm -hmm. it's, it's essentially the same thing. Um, it depends, really. It depends on the type of person in the crowd. If it was somebody that was a fan of ours already, and we did a bad show, various things could happen. They might forgive it. They might go, mm -hmm. oh, maybe it was just an isolated incident. It would depend on if they'd ever seen us before. Um, they could have listened to our music for years. It could be the first time they've ever seen us, and they go, actually, mm -hmm. these guys are really crap. Um, Right. you can do some amazing things in the uh, recording studio if it's somebody that's never seen us before they're pretty much instantly going to go well these these guys are awful if they've never heard of us before they're not going to remember our name or they might but in yep. a bad way yep. um but the the, the worst that actually from from playing a bad show the worst thing is bad reviews in magazines from um critics hmm. so and it's it's something it's a mindset we need to sort of translate over to customer experience that when we played a bad show, we would get bad reviews in the magazines and it did happen. When you play hundreds upon hundreds of shows, you're never going to get it perfect every time. But when you, when you play a bad show, you get a bad review in the magazines and then that becomes thousands of potential fans first impression of us. Mm -hmm. And we need to realize in customer experience, for example, most of your potential customers will have already formed an opinion about your company before they ever interact with you. And it's the realization that one customer's bad experience can quickly become thousands of potential customers' bad first impression. And you control the first impressions of your future customers by the experiences that you deliver to your current ones. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your, obviously your number one rule, right? Is landing your first impression. And, and yes. what is the, what is the consequence of not landing that first impression? Well, I, th I think realistically, um, in today's data, like rather than going into analogy territory with customers nowadays, we have got more choice than at any point in history. Yep. The amount of companies that exist that are willing to do business with us um, because of the spread of the internet, geographic location has never been less of a barrier. If you try and interact with a company and they do a bad job, that first impression is bad, you're just going to go somewhere else. But the worst thing for companies is that can happen before they ever interact with you. They can just write you off. They can yeah. hear a bad story. They can read a bad review. They can hear word of mouth from their friends. And 
because there are other choices out there, if you look at the choices and you've already formed a bad opinion of a company because of something that somebody else said, you're going to overlook them to try someone else. So literally, if you don't get that first impression right, you are harming your business. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Every time I'm going to buy something that I don't haven't already bought before, um, I'm going to go on a website and look at the reviews, even though I don't know who those people are. Yeah. I'm we going are to literally... Tip- Right. We are literally, as customers, more willing to believe the opinion of an absolute stranger, the opinion of somebody that we have never and will never meet over what a company says to us. Like the company will say, we're the best company in the world at doing this thing or that product is amazing, buy it. And we go, we go online and we trust the opinions of absolute strangers rather than actually like we don't trust companies anymore. Why is that? <laughs> this is another. The, I think one of the problems is it all comes down to expectations. So as customers, our expectations are evolving and progressing and changing every single day with yeah. every single interaction we have with every single company. Now, the people within a company who are usually so they have the responsibility for setting customers' expectations, it's usually the marketing people. And of course, they want to set very high expectations. They want people to be excited about the products or services. They want to, you know, big it up. They want to say, this is the best at this, the best at that, the best at something else. So when the customer actually comes along and actually does business with you, mm-hmm. you've hyped it up so much that even if it is a perfectly good experience or a perfectly good product or service, they're disappointed. It, there's um. Do you want to start a company with me? It's called expectation terrorism. Let me explain <laughs> what it is. Basically, what we, what we do is we go along and we talk to companies. We'll, we'll go to Samsung, for example, and we'll say, guys, our company's called expectation terrorism. What we're going to do for you is we're going to go out there and we're going to say really, really good things about the next Apple phone, about the next iPhone. And they're going to look at us and go, why would we pay you to do that? You say, ha ha ha, because we're going to big it up so much to such an extent that when the phone actually drops, doesn't matter how good it is, people are going to be disappointed because we will have raised their expectations to such a degree that they literally could not meet them. So it's a roundabout way of answering your question. Expectations is the answer to your questions. <laughs> that is so awesome. So how do you transition from this award-winning rock star to this award-winning CX rock star? By accident, man. This, this, this wasn't my plan. Um, you were backstage and somebody's like, hey, do you know anything about customer experience? And you're like, what? Well, the, um, so when I stopped doing the music thing, when I, when I stopped being an international rock god, I, um, I did the next logical step after doing that, which was, go and work for an insurance company. Mm. So I did that. <laughs> and I, I was quite lucky with the company. And again, this wasn't by any sort of design. The company, it was just the biggest company that was closest to my house. I was like, well, I'll just go and work for them. And that company grew very quickly. And it gave me a lot of chance to progress through that company in a relatively short period of time. So I learned a hell of a lot in a, in a really short period of time. Um, when... 
So I got made redundant from that job in the end. So being downsized, I didn't get fired. My job didn't exist anymore. That's the, mm. the way that it works. And while I was at that company, I realized that we had loads of really expensive, crappy consultants come through. And I was mm. like, you know what? I could be a really expensive, crappy consultant. So I started doing that. <laughs> it was um, ma- mainly training, uh, but also You just have to be less crappy. Basically, but I was just like, well, it, they're, they're crap. They, they don't really do anything. I can not do anything. I'm actually very good at not doing anything. So I went and did that. Um, and all this time, I had basically created this corporate persona for myself mm-hmm. because I, I, I never told anyone about my music career. And of course, there were certain people that would know who I was and would talk to me about it. But for, for the majority of people, they didn't know who the hell I was. Um, suit and tie, briefcase. Like I, I was almost recreating what I'd seen on TV. I was like, okay, well, that's what a, that's what a business person is. So I tried to be this this corporate person. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, when I when I first struck out on my own, I was trying to be this corporate person. And I, again, I was very lucky during that period. I managed to work with people like Disney, like Lego, like Adobe, Mercedes Benz banks all over the world, governments all over the world, brands yep. like Nike. I've, I've worked with some really cool companies, training their people how to systematically improve their customer experience, how to put in programs of replicable methods that will help them improve their customer experience, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of miserable. And the reason for that was, is I wasn't being myself. I was always worried about what I said, when I said it, how I acted, how I was being presented and that was because the person who I was being was not me it was this this sort of corporate avatar that I'd created in my mind and then of course dude you'll, you'll know this it was becoming harder and harder to stand out in the world of customer experience every new day there was a customer experience consultant a customer experience trainer a customer experience guru a customer experience specialist a customer experience ninja because whatever just these people were popping up all over the place and it was becoming harder and harder to differentiate myself and then various things happened that all sort of came to a head but the, the one thing that really made me reframe the way that i thought about the work that i did and the way i presented myself to the world was a quote from jerry garcia from grateful dead you heard of the guy i've heard of him pretty famous dude and the quote yeah. is i might be paraphrasing a little bit but essentially don't try and be the best in the world at what you do try and be the only person in the world that does what you do mm. and i was like damn this guy's got a point like i've got this really cool music career that i never told anyone about that when people do find out about it and do talk to you about it find it really interesting and want to learn more you realize that there's a lot of people out there that would give their left arm to, to have actually been a real life rock star. And there's so many parallels between a music, like having a music career and customer experience, which I'm a little bit embarrassed. I didn't figure out sooner. Um, but why not put those things together and try and talk about customer experience to the world in a different way, in an interesting way, in an engaging way, in a fun way, in an exciting way, because Mm. Customer experience is a subject that should be fun. It should be exciting. There are very few professions in the world where you can really make a massive difference in people's lives. I believe customer experience is one of them and it shouldn't be boring. Uh, So it it all sort of came together. I was like, you know what? Screw it. From now on, I'm a customer experience rock star. From now on, I help companies deliver rock star customer experiences. From now on, I turn customers into super fans. And that's, that's kind of how I went from being a real life rock star to a 
sort of pretend <laughs> one in customer experience. That, that is so awesome. I probably wouldn't give my left arm to be in a rock band only because then I could only sing. I couldn't could, play the you drum, could drum or You could drum for Def Leppard. Oh, okay. I don't actually know if, it's, if that's his left arm or not, though. Hmm. Anyway, but yeah, anyway. okay, me- metaphorically, give a limb. Got it. Just give it a limb. Uh, so one of the things that I wanted to talk about, um, I, I mentioned to a buddy of mine that I was having you on, and he's like, oh, man, I actually have this piece of paper that I wrote out. I was listening to this webinar, and it's sitting inside my cubicle that I look at every day. And I was like, okay. I said, so what does it say? is to say he's a rock star and, and I want to be a rock star and I want to give my left limb. And, and no, he's, he, it wasn't that at all. It was the six core elements of really good customer experience. And so can you tell the listeners what the six core elements of really good customer experience is? Yeah, I can. So to premise this, there's, in my mind, there's two parts of customer experience. There's what you do and there's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Now, the what you do is that outcome that you help deliver for your customer, the goal you help your customer achieve. The how you do it is that actual experience itself, the journey. And what you tend to find in really, really good customer experiences are six core elements, and they are easy, fast, convenient, trackable, personalized, and, and predictive. Okay? So easy, make the experience easy. Help the customer go through the experience in the least steps possible. Okay? So the least number of steps for the customer, make it easy. Fast, help the customer achieve their goal in the quickest time possible, quicker than a competitor or quicker than they can do it for themselves. Convenient, deliver that experience in the way and the method at the time in the place that is most convenient for the customer. Trackable, allow the customer to see what the process they have to go through is and allow them to see their progress in the process. Absolute best example of this is the Domino's Pizza Tracker. Mm-hmm. It's just the best in the world. Shows you the exact process and where you are in it. Uh, personalized, make the experience unique to that customer or at least feel unique to that customer and predictive. So predict possible needs and then capitalize on them. Predict possible problems and remedy them. Being proactive, predictiveness breeds proactiveness. So they are the six elements easy, fast, convenient, trackable, personalized, and predictive. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your client's pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Got it. So are they all interconnected or are they ranked in order? Not necessarily. And you don't, you don't necessarily have to excel in all of them. You could pick one that you want to be really good at as a company and um, there are some that are kind of teleconnected so easy fast and convenient people say they're, they're the same thing they're not the same thing they're, they're closely connected mm. but they're not the same thing and a lot of times if you improve one of those areas it will drag up the others as well. it's like for example it, you're probably not going to make an experience faster make the process faster for a customer 
without also making it more convenient and easy at the same time. They kind of come as a bit of a package, um, but essentially they are their own individual, unique part. Um, what's the word? Element. And you can work on them individually. You can plot your experiences and say, okay, where are we failing right now? But the, the quickest and easy, like in the, in the training that I deliver, there's a whole thing around the CX-6. That's what I refer to it as, the CX-6. Um, there's a whole structure around it, how to use it, but there's a really quick and easy hack way to use it. And it is essentially bringing people into it. Right, you can do it yourself. You can bring people into a room to do it, your CX team. You can just bring anyone into a room. You don't have to have any experience in experience to be able to do this. But you literally just ask these six questions. How could we make this experience easier for the customer? How could we make the experience faster for the customer? How could we make the experience more convenient for the customer? How could we make this experience trackable? How could we make it personalized? How could we make it predictive? Just ask those questions and the answers you get are going to give you some really, really cool ideas how to completely revolutionize the experience that you're delivering your customers right away. It's so, it seems so easy yes. and convenient and fast and trackable. No, that's not, it's not what I actually really meant, <laughs> but I just had to continue to go. Yeah. Um, why are companies not doing this? What, what's the risk from like, why, why are they saying, Hey, that those are things that I could probably do. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm so focused on this that I'm not actually focusing on my customer. There's, there's a whole interconnected web of, I don't want to get into conspiracy territory here, but there is like an interconnected web of reasons why some companies just don't embrace this stuff. Um, the biggest one for me, and the, the one I think that we as customer experience professionals can address right away is we are, can I swear? Sure. We are really shitty at linking customer experience activities to return on investment. We are really bad at showing executives, showing the decision makers, showing the sponsors, showing the people that control the money yeah. that what we do in customer experience positively affects the bottom line. We just, we just batted it. We've, and it's our fault. We love to sit back and say, it's the executive's fault because they don't believe in customer experience. It's their fault because they won't give me the budget for customer experience. It's their fault because I don't have buy-in to do these things. No, it's our fault because we haven't proven to them that it's yeah. worth doing. I don't like this switch of blame that literally companies get to choose how good their customer experience is. If you receive bad experience from a company, it's because they have chosen to deliver you that experience and we are part of the problem we're a massive part of it if we cannot show the people that control the purse strings that it is worth giving us money how can we expect them to buy in how can we expect them to put their weight behind it i just i don't see how mm -hmm. that's not the, the first thing you go to we all just want to blame other people and um i think it's our fault yeah. Yeah. So my analogy with that, um, you remember, um, rush hour with Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, uh, where they're, they're in a fighting scene and Chris Tucker gets hit in the jaw and he's like, which one of y'all kicked me? And he, he's pointing to everybody. And I feel like that's what's happened in customer experience where yeah. somebody gets kicked in the jaw because they don't get what they want. And they kind of point instead of pointing to themselves and saying, what should I do next? And, and maybe look at somebody like yourself or another peer and saying, outside of their organization saying, here's what I've done to date. 
and here's uh, what, what can I do? I need some advice. Um, and, and maybe looking inside there in the mirror for a minute. Yeah, to- totally agree. It's, it's a good an- analogy. Yeah, allegory. We'll go with Cinnamonim. Cinnamonim? Cinnamonim. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. It was a fantastic cinnamon. <laughs> um, it was a fantastic example. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, that, that's, that's the thing. We'll, we'll, yeah, it's, I mean, it is, it is true. We'll get hit in the face. We mm. won't ever say, well, I should have been blocking. I should have done more training to learn not to get hit in the face. We'll go, that, why did you do? That's horrible that you did that. Um, so I don't know if it's a perfect analogy because it's, it's still not nice for people to go around kicking people in the face. Mm. But, but I get where you're coming from. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so from your, those six elements, uh, what are some of your favorite companies that are actually doing it well? Um, Amazon. So like, so for the easy part of it, Amazon kind of tick all the boxes, but the biggest one is easy. So when you buy something from Amazon, you click a thing, it turns up at your house. That is easy, fast and convenient, but it's also trackable because you can see exactly where it is. It's personalized because your screen, your home, everybody's home screen is different and it's predictive because they push things in front of you um, that they think you will want to buy next. So for example, if I buy golf clubs and then golf balls and a golf bag, it's then going to think, well, maybe he's going to want to buy a glove as well. Mm. So they use that to predict stuff as well. But when it comes to easy, probably the best example is that one click purchase they have taken a customer process and experience that involves many steps, finding the thing, adding it to a checkout cart, navigating to the checkout cart, mm-hmm. putting your details in, putting your payment details in, signing up for a, an account with them, putting the delivery details in, that all of those steps have condensed into one step, click, done. So that's, that's the mindset I take with it. So yeah, and again, it's, Amazon is an overused example but they're overused for a reason because they're bloody good. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we kind of uh, poked fun at the CX person kind of moving blame, but uh, I'll push it back to you. So uh, there's a ton of noise out there and, and somebody's saying, Hey, um, how do I do a, a journey map? And somebody Googles it and Salesforce or somebody says, Oh, Hey, over here, I can do journey mapping. Right. And, uh, somebody types in, how do I build a charter? And somebody else, a large company says, Oh, Hey, over here, I can do a charter. And it has nothing to do with, uh, what they can actually solve. Um, it's not, it's not a, a one size fits most. Um, but it should be a personalized experience, kind of like what you mentioned, but how can people focus on what is important to them instead of being stuck in kind of this, paralysis through analysis it's it's a it's a a tough one to answer to be honest with you um there are a lot of big companies out there that are taking advantage of the fact that customer experience is like the in thing at the moment Mm -hmm. and people are coming to them saying hey can you do this thing and they go uh yeah yeah sure say what what is it again oh uh, yeah we (laughs) we can definitely do that setting the expectations and then of course they deliver something that's probably just something they used to do and they've rebranded so this mm-hmm. is a customer experience thing then people go oh you know what i tried that customer experience stuff it doesn't really work um and it, it gives it gives the whole profession a bad name um the analysis paralysis thing i don't know man it's um it's hard because 
there is so much choice out there. So when you are looking for people to help you, you've you got to do the legwork. You've got to see which companies are best suited. That could be a massive company. It could be a one-man band. It, it, I don't know. That It depends on the company and what they're trying to achieve. But it mm -hmm. is hard. And there's not that much guidance out there on how to help choose the people to help you. So, I mean, I don't really have any advice for it other than maybe just have a standard set of questions that you're going to be asking the people mm. that you're engaging with. So you can kind of see how they think about customer experience, the customers they've worked with before, where they learned how to do it. Cause that's, that's a big thing as well. Asking somebody, well, where did you learn how to do customer experience? And whatever the answer is, usually sheds a lot of light on whether they're reputable or not. Yeah. Maybe even asking additional questions. So sometimes people only know what they know and, and that can be a flaw when they're trying to look for a solution. Uh, but maybe asking other people that have done it prior. So what, what else should I be asking that I don't currently know today? And, and maybe will you sit in that conversation with me? It, it depends on the type of, if you're asking closed questions, then you're only going to get essentially closed answers. I hate closed questions to be honest with you, because usually people only ask closed questions to validate their own assumptions. Whereas if we go into it asking open questions, you're going to get a lot more. So when, <laughs> when I'm doing my training or when I'm working with executives or whatever, I play this game with them and I didn't invent this game, but you will have heard of this game. It's called 20 questions. So I'll, I'll write something down on a post-it note, usually something quite obscure because I want to win. Um, and I get every person in the room to ask me a question but in 20 questions style. So I can only answer yes or no, or maybe to it. They can only ask me closed questions. And then once they've been around, I might go around again. I might even go around again. But then once they've got to the point where they literally have got no idea what it is, I will nominate one person in the room to ask me one open question to find out what I have written on the post-it note. Mm. It can be any question. It can be an open question, but they want to find out what it is that I have written on the post-it note. Invariably, the question is, what have you written on the post-it note? And that one question gets them every little piece of information they need versus 20, 30, 60 questions <laughs> that get them nothing, that get them no closer to the actual answer. So again, it seems like kid stuff, but open questions. <laughs> that's that's awesome I, i'm going to now um start challenging people with um 20 questions and it's going to be something ridiculously obscure um, yeah because you have to do it because it's a, it's a rather elaborate way to prove a relatively small point but if you put like dog they, they're going to get it and then you're going to look like an idiot you've got to put yeah. something really obscure i usually put right i'm gonna have to change it if i tell you yeah. oh it's okay <laughs> right. so, do, do you know what an axolotl is uh bless you no thank you it, it's it's like this weird little salamander thing that looks a bit like a pokemon okay google it you can google it right now if you want it's cute they're cute little salamander things they look like pokemon i'll a x o l t uh, i'm not very good at spelling it's got an a in it and an x in it you'll find it um but i usually write that down because i barely know what it is no one else no one has ever guessed it now yeah. we're gonna have to think of something new yeah yeah, I'll just, spend just some time. write down cute little salamander thing instead of cute. the actual name. There you go. Throat punch, the <laughs> band throat punch. <laughs> well, I think I could do this uh, for the next uh, three days, but I wrap up every 
podcast with two questions and I'm going to give you them in order so that you can start thinking of them, buy you a little bit more time. Uh, so what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And the second one is if you could leave a note to all the customer service and all the customer experience professionals, because they're all going to listen to this podcast, specifically this episode, what would it say? So the, the person that has probably influenced me most this You don't year, have to mention me. It's fine. I mean, that's a given, dude. Yeah. That's, um, but probably um, a guy that you, you will have heard of, a guy called Shep Hyken. Mm-hmm. So I, I've known Shep for a lot of years and we've spoken to each other and we, we've created somewhat of a friendship. He plays guitar as well. Did you know yeah. that? He's better yeah. than me. In fact, don't tell him I, I told you that. Um, but a little while back, we actually got to talk at the same event and of course we met in person we hit it off and that dude is just, he's such a cool dude he's given me so much advice on mm. how to make my talk better punchier more effective um and he's he's the sort of dude that we should all model ourselves on he will just give and give and give because he's a good guy so this year alone he has helped me one hell of a lot um i spoke with him yesterday actually if it, was it the day before talking about virtual keynotes um, because I tried to translate my in-person musical keynote to a virtual keynote, and it was awful. So, <laughs> so he's spoken to me about doing virtual keynotes, and it's it's been really really helpful. Now, if I were to give a note to customer experience people, um, and it would reach everybody, it would probably say something along the lines of always remember to focus on successful customer outcomes dot 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 you're a rock star dot 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 love from james <laughs> love comma james yeah xxx xx oh x got it the, that little is. metal horns drawn in oh that's what they're called little metal horns unless you have bigger hands well i draw little ones oh ah is it got because it's a note. You can't actually send a visual video or else I'd be cheating. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> James, uh, thank you so much. Uh, you can connect with James um, on LinkedIn, James Dotkins. Uh, Instagram, the CX Rockstar. Twitter, J Dotkins. And Facebook, just type in James Dotkins. And he also has a discussion group called Rockstar CX Discussion Group. James, thank you so much. I had a blast and look forward to uh, continue seeing you on social and potentially jumping on one of your vir- virtual keynotes. If, nice. if anybody wants to connect and say, uh, how do I get James uh, to do a virtual keynote? This sounds like a good time. Um, how, do, how do they get a hold of you? Um, if you go to www.jamesdodkins.com, all the information will be on there within the next couple of days. Within the next couple of days. Great. Well, yes, I suppose by the time they hear this, it will be on there. So just go, go on there. It will be there. <laughs> Thank you so much, James. I had a blast. Me too, man. Thank you for having me. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them a link of this episode or directly from your app.
And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.